Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing? I'm good. I think somebody on Twitter um, pointed out that they've legitimately got um, Japanese certification, that they are a certified Japanophile. Um, so I was thinking that it's probably not a bad idea for us to start an abroad Japan official Japanophile certification class. I mean, this is how it's the Trump University's idea. got started. I think I think we could uh, make a bit of cash here, to be honest, Chris. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what would it entail, getting the certificate? Um, um, we could ooh. get Natsuki involved somehow. <laughs> have a conversation with Natsuki uh, for five minutes. And in then, any language. You know, in any language. I love it's a test unto music. <laughs> and then we'd go down the 100 yen shop and buy some, I don't know, Pokemon or uh, uh, Hello Kitty headed notepaper and we'd write, you have passed on it. <laughs> Signed, Chris Broad and Pete Donaldson. Well, I, this is not a bad idea, actually. I've yeah. been thinking about what we could do with this podcast going forward, and that is, yeah. to be honest, that's Cash a, a pretty good direction. I'm going to make some notes in my okay, imaginary cool. notebook on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, people always ask me what you require to become a certified Japanophile, and the answer is, I don't know. Just come to Japan two or three times a year like Pete. That's, yeah. that's all you've it's, basically done, isn't it's it? It's definitely uh, one of the most important parts of our syllabus is uh, eating three or four coolishes. I have had so many tweets this week <laughs> about coolish, and I'm loving them, quite frankly. What I need to do is combine all of these pictures and um, sentences together on, on Twitter and uh, posts and send them to the coolish company and say, listen, I am your biggest fan. Let me in your factory. I want to swim in your baths of coolish. <laughs> <laughs> Let me a in your factory. Of, a tub of liquid, reasonably priced ice cream. That's a, oh. <laughs> I guess as summer rolls in, and it's now getting towards summer, um, you're going to see that happen a lot. A lot of people are just going to be buying coolish and tweeting you, mm. given that is basically what people associate with you now, liquid yeah. ice cream in a bag. Um, <laughs> fair play. It's then the again, I've been doing... I've been uh, promoting Kit Kats and KFC mm. for five years now in Japan, and I've got nothing, never nothing anything, sure even Marmite, and so don't <laughs> expect anything good to happen, Pete. Don't expect right. Coolish to come crying for sponsorship <laughs> deals. I wonder who, um, 
I wonder who they're owned by. I'm going to find out. I'm going to email them and say, look, get get me some cool. Get me a supply of coolish I can enjoy in England. Get me an import deal, and let's let's do business, people. Let's do business. I, I yeah. I mean, I'd love to know how many people actually bought coolish ice cream. Um, thanks to you. Thanks to you alone. We're in the um, we're in the thirties, I reckon. We're in the thirties, definitely. Thirty, forty people. Thirty, forty people, year. and and you cannot argue with that profit margin, Coolish Industries. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, I am one of those people. I never had Coolish squeezy ice cream from from any major convenience store. I've never had it until you went on about it for several weeks in a row, and I thought I better try this ice cream that Pete loves so much. Um, I went down to Seven Eleven and bought it. For two hundred yen or whatever it costs, and it's good. It's actually a good product, <laughs> and it's this like podcast a... definitely isn't sponsored by Coolish. No, just but it's it, good. But it should be. You've got to it's, try it at least once. It's like a milky. They've made they've made a new um, <clears throat> Capri Suns in England. Used to be straw foil packet, straw pierced through foil packet. Drink the uh, drink the old Capri Sun. Nowadays they've got like an isotonic kind of sports bottle top, and that's basically the configuration of Coolish. If I wasn't you know, if I if I was a more um, cynical man, I'd say that the Coolish Tetra Pack and the um, and the uh, new Capri Sun Tetra Pack exactly the same. So we've got the delivery mechanism. Let's talk licensing. Can't you just get a Capri Sun, squeeze some Hagen Dazs vanilla ice cream into it? Yeah, it's the same thing effectively, isn't it? Well, I mean, it is effectively just frozen uh, kind of Mister Whippy, uh, which of course Margaret Thatcher was involved in the Genesis. Weirdly enough, when there she was a go. chemist. Yeah. <laughs> From Margaret it's amazing Thatcher where to this, this podcast goes in the first five minutes, isn't it? <laughs> Talk about Margaret, Margaret Thatcher's policies on ice cream. Um, <laughs> hello, guys. Welcome back to the Born Japan mm. podcast today. I'm going to kick things off by reading an email we received the other day um, from Kyle, a chap who lives in mm. Tokyo who's going up to Fukushima to visit the area that's recently opened around the nuclear reactor. Uh, his email reads, Hey, Chris and Pete, I live in Tokyo and normally listen to the podcast while sitting in dreadful Tokyo traffic on my way to work in the mornings. I'm planning a trip to Tomioka in Fukushima uh, to take pictures of the abandoned or mostly abandoned streets and such now that they've opened up to access. I noticed you were in the area for your Pimp My Ride Journey Across Japan episode, but you didn't mention all of the abandoned streets or film any of it. My understanding is that it was open to public around that time and it would make for a dynamite video. Did it just get cut out or was there some kind of issue that prevented you from getting access? I'm asking because I plan to go there and I would hate it if I had to turn back Kyle. Yeah, you know what, Kyle? I can think of some slightly more relaxing places to spend your weekend off work um, as opposed to uh, the surroundings of an exploded nuclear reactor. Nevertheless... To that I say, I haven't actually been to the Fukushima region. Um, the Pimp My Bike episode, we went to the world's largest nuclear power plant, which is in Niigata. Do you remember that, Pete? Do you remember yes, seeing I do. that? Yes, There you go. Um, but I haven't been anywhere near the Fukushima nuclear reactor. The closest I've been is Fukushima City, which I think is about 100 kilometres west. Um, I'd probably be a little bit reluctant to go near the reactor to towns like Tomioka because the radiation... Whilst not dangerous for a few days or whatnot, it's still a fair bit higher than the rest of Japan, you know. But after reading this email, I went on Google Maps to look up Tomioka, and it's really interesting. In 2013 and 2015, Google Street View uh, went around Fukushima, around the areas uh, surrounding the nuclear facility, and uh, like took photos, and you can actually go on Street View and look around and see the destruction and see this kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland and mm. I know you've spent the last few minutes looking around at Pete uh, and you seem to be 
in awe of it. What do you make of it? I, I think, it, obviously, it's ethically... Um, it's a bit of a grey area, isn't it? I mean, how can a place get back view. on its feet? If Well, going on Street View is fine. Um, <laughs> but actually, <laughs> it, visiting the place... I'm almost certain, Chris, you did film for three days in the Fukushima uh, irradiated uh, um, area, um, but you popped a wheelie on your bike and fell off, and you didn't want that footage of it to get out, so you <laughs> so you, 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 you blackballed it and threw, threw the footage in the bin. Uh, no, um... I think, yeah, it is ethically a bit grayery um, going around, but then you sort of think, well, I mean, it's there. No, like, and how do you expect it's a place there. to get... It's there. How do you expect a place to get back on its feet if you don't, you know, put a bit of money into, back into the tourism? Well, it was just, it's, I don't it's, think it's, this is money back in, is it? It's just walking around it for a half hour, half well, an no, hour. Well, no, I mean, going, I mean oh, yeah, look, or, or, the, or the, the businesses on the on the outskirts of the area, you know, they've got a shift deck, they, they're, they're, they're coolish summer, haven't they? Whatever state it's in. <laughs> um, and I'll eat it. I'll have the special flavour, the, the, the brackish oh, metal flavour of, uh, of uranium rods. I'll take that. Uh, but no, uh, the, but looking at it on, on Street View is genuinely eerie because you can see the 2013 version, 2015... Um, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty eerie stuff. You sort of see. You see a few more people around in high vis jackets, obviously trying to get the place mm. back on its feet. Um, it's I, I, it, there is something incredibly interesting about that sort of thing. I remember a, a woman in the late, uh, sorry, the early noughties, obviously uh, went to uh, Chernobyl and, and sort of um, mm. rode a bike around there, little little mini Geiger counter with her and stuff. Um, you can visit these places. Um, it's just obviously just not a lot there, really. But it is fascinating to see what happens after something so epic and, and, and dreadful happens. It's um, it, I don't think it's necessarily um, uh, like pornography in that you would spend your time <laughs> sort of as in you know you call them like you know like How uh, would you make that comparison. Well, it's not pornography yeah. as in like people people just going to see something dreadful. Uh, for some kind of weird, deep-seated kind of emotional need, it's not like, it's not mm. like that because there's no one there. Um, it's just visiting the site of of something dreadful and hopefully something that never happens again. But it, obviously, it was a massive disaster, and uh, obviously, a lot of parts of um, of the area were affected. But obviously, this one was affected in, in a in a more um, in a more stark way because obviously the uh, the power station had, had had loads of problems. Well, what's What's so, what's so interesting about Street View is if you look at 2013 and you just switch over to 2015, you can mm. see how neighbourhoods and streets and houses have been reclaimed by nature, basically. Yeah. And that's, that's what I found most fascinating, how quickly nature takes back, uh, mm. you know, just takes back human structures and humanity, just reclaims mm. it, basically, and grows over it. Um, for that reason alone, definitely spend a bit of time on Street View, going through areas like Tomioka or Futaba, Around the Daiichi nuclear facility, I did. I ne- last year I nearly made a documentary. Uh, I was dangerously close uh, to <laughs> metaphor uh, to um, to actually going to Fukushima and actually doing a documentary about Fukushima and the disaster and the effects. And um, the main, my main reason I wanted to do it. The main reason was I get a lot of tourists uh, who ask me if it's safe in Tohoku. And it is, you know, it's perfectly safe. Um, the only place I would be worried to go is in the region, you know, five kilometre radius around the nuclear reactor. I wouldn't want to spend too long there. Um, they have workers that go in and they have to leave after a few months because they have reached their radiation limit um, mm. and whatnot. But I wouldn't want to go there. Um, but I, I did nearly do it because there's a lot of misinformation around Fukushima, a lot of misinformation. People think that uh, it's, it's a lot worse than it is. Now, it is bad, 
the main problem is psychologically it kind of damaged the mental health of a load of residents that had to leave there and the most people aren't very well educated on radiation at all um the reason i know it's relatively safe is i speak to i've spoken to specialists and people that have worked there in the area and they've kind of given me the loan down on how bad it is it's the equivalent of like a few x-rays but with radiation it's more about time exposure how long you're actually there is the biggest factor and anybody but, working uh, in an irradiated area will have like a gaga counter and that basically mm. will have a, have a counter in it and once you've experienced more radiation than than, than is uh, necessarily uh, good for you um you, you basically have to leave but these levels you've got to remember are ridiculously low anyway it would be the same as if you know you know when you're at school and you had like that that lead box mm. and you'd have like um a bit of radioactive material and you'd test out a gaga counter with it and stuff like that and how yeah, yeah. how incredible strange it is to see something you know emitting particles through through different um through different uh, materials and so like these 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 are uh, internationally recognized levels that you can't be exp- that you shouldn't be exposed to but this isn't like a best case practice i shouldn't walk down the street in london and experience so many was isobars of, of uh, is it isobars no obviously not um, <laughs> yeah, shouldn't shouldn't experience that much radiation but you know you get a certain amount from the sun you get a certain amount from the earth um, and this is just obviously a lot higher but still nothing that's going to affect anything or your unborn children just by walking down the street for for a few hours Absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, millisieverts. Millis- I can never know how to pronounce it. Millisieverts, mm. microsieverts, and sieverts. Uh, the three main measurements. And I know Ryotaro actually went into the reactor, not physically inside the reactor, but he went to the uh, nuclear power plant yeah. and had a look around. Uh, I think he's been there twice, and he had to wear a Geiger counter, you know, yeah. to monitor his radiation levels. But uh, he said it was fascinating. I'd like, I'd like to do it. I think I find that f- sort of thing. Um absolutely uh, fascinating that sort of thing well, let's do it let's do it yeah, let's I'll, pop I'll over I'll land, I'll land at 6am let's go straight to Fukushima me and you <laughs> <laughs> there was there was that Netflix documentary there wasn't there um, mm. Netflix series Dark Tourist and they mm. went there and it really annoyed me because uh, they went there and there was like a bus full of people and they were very just the most annoying people yeah, they all they got were. out their phones and they stopped off in a town it might have been Tomioka um, and they just got out their phones and just took loads of Instagram photos mm. and it just felt very superficial and annoying and it really, really pissed me off. Um, so don't do that. If you come to Fukushima, don't do that because that's just a bit twatty and I'll hate you if you do that. Mm. Um, but yeah, Fukushima. I did, I also got a lot of comments back in the day. It's not so much now, but uh, after I moved here, 2012, 2013, 2014 in particular, I used to get a lot of... I'm going to call them hate comments or propaganda, but there was a lot of people who are very uh, kind of like cultists or extremists, religious extremists, mm. who saw Fukushima as like an apocalyptic end of the world kind of event. Right. And they were coming in the comment sections of my videos and sort of saying, Fukushima is the end of the world, everyone's going to die there. Uh, obviously, that hasn't hasn't happened yet it was one um, it was one fairly well-run power station that happened to be damaged by a massive storm uh and a tsunami and uh water got in and so it irradiated some of the water and that was the well, problem they, would, they dealt with it they would it's fine go on about they'd go on about how uh, at one point the particles particles of radiation were detected on the west coast of america right or north america um and a lot of people panicked about this but they mm. were talking 
like particles, like tiny particles. Yeah, the the, the, the tiny smoke. Like uh, the, the, there's more um, problems with air quality in on on the west coast of America just because of carbon emissions, forest fires, uh, and you know the 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 the, um, the output of China. To be honest, it's uh, well, it, 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 there's, the, there's there's bigger problems in the world than that. Um, it, we, we may be facing uh, almost apocalyptic um, conditions uh, in in climate change and and all that. Um, but you know Fukushima and a, and a power station that's uh, obviously in, in a slightly sorry state, a manageable sorry state, is definitely not one of them. Well, it was a propaganda coup for um, China and South Korea at the time because it made Japan look really bad, um, mm. which is quite rare these in these days um, for, in terms of health and safety and whatnot. But it was kind of a propaganda coup, and yeah, I found it quite ironic given the uh, air quality levels in. Uh, certainly in China, which are absolutely shocking. I remember when yeah. I was there, it was so smoggy and dangerous. And as an asthmatic, I was nearly on the floor dead, admittedly. Much more serious than a little bit of radiation in the forest yeah. of Fukushima. But mm. yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really frustrating situation. It seems to have died off now. And that's the main reason I backed out on making a documentary about it. Um, I felt like the issues kind of faded away a little bit, um, certainly in the mm. public eye. If I did do it, I think I'd focus on the people, though, the pe- people of Fukushima and their stories of how that how it affected them and what they had to do. And that'd be a much more interesting angle than a general sort of yeah. overview of what I happened. Just, you know? Well, just even people just getting back on their feet and how they sort of see the future of Fukushima, talking to, you know, officials, the mayor, stuff like that. I just it'd be fascinating to sort of yeah, hear their yeah. story. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Or we could uh, just do you, a video about you just walking through Fukushima. Go on. Like a counter. 
Just trying to get into Foolish. old, trying to get into old Seven uh, Elevens. But it is c- because <laughs> Japan's always um, pictured as being this vibrant, colourful uh, place, and it is in many places. Get out in the sticks, um, wh- where we started our little um, our little journey across Japan uh, on my little leg down. Um, is it Lake uh, Biwa? Lake Biwa. Um, mm. Like that was quite a quiet, sort of leafy kind of um, not not leafy, quiet sort of part of. Uh, of just a motorway with one a hotel on one side and a Seven Eleven and a McDonald's over the road and maybe a toy shop I think, um, mm. and that was all just in big corrugated buildings that you could only really access if you had a car. Um, so yeah, it's 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 um, the, these uh, but to see all of these places just completely abandoned that's basically what you're going to get in the middle of Fukushima just abandoned buildings, and I can get there in Hartlepool where I'm from, in the northeast of England. <laughs> Once again, not doing a very good job promoting your <laughs> your native Hartlepool. Oh, it's very lovely. <laughs> it's just nothing there. Oh, poor Hartlepool. Mm. Um, while we're on the subject of air quality, though, going back to air quality. Okay. Um, the emperor, as as we all know, the emperor of Japan recently abdicated, and there's a new emperor now, and we've changed eras. We've gone from the uh, Heisei era to Reiwa era and I've got mm. to try and work out how to write the kanji for Rewa uh, <laughs> because you, in Japan you have to write out the the date using the Japanese calendar system. Ah. It's a little bit tricky, a little bit annoying but also kind of cool. Um, but one thing they've done to commemorate uh, the Heisei era a community uh, actually started canning air for <laughs> canning air before the, uh, the new emperor uh, took over they went mm. around and they bottled up and they canned up all the air and started selling it as Heisei Air. So you can have your own <laughs> slice of an era. A little bit weird, but it might be the best $10, the, the best $9.70 ever spent. Um, they're being sold for 1,080 yen. Um, and uh, yeah, are you going to buy one, Pete? Are you going to get your slice of the Heisei Air? thing is, it's the sort of thing I find like ridiculous, like just ridiculous, like moon... Uh, rock and um, I don't know, like Glastonbury. Uh, in a certain year, you'll see people flogging bits of turf on on eBay and stuff from the Glastonbury way. I don't know, Beyonce did a thing. Um, people buy these things and they're you know a nice little keepsake stuff. But like, mm. yeah, kind of air. I do want one now. <laughs> you see it. What I, w- <laughs> what I would say is it would be hilarious if it was just a long joke, a big joke on everyone, uh, on tourists and stuff. And in every can, someone's done a little blow off. <laughs> And they open the can <laughs> 20 years down the line. Oh, it stinks. Someone's farting it in would, it. Yeah, disgusting. Surely it would just stink anyway after several decades, like a nah, can of air. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, expert, quite stale, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> at what point, though, at what point do you open the can of air? At what point do you just think, right, now, it's now the time now to. Now's the time. This is what the past smells like, kids. Open it. Yeah, I guess, I guess when you'd put it in the ground, wouldn't you? You'd put it in, but then the cans would start to rot. You'd have to look after it really carefully because after a while, aluminium cans do start to rot. And what if you'd, you know, what if gallium got in? What if you had some loose gallium in your cupboard, and that got on the aluminium and made a hole in it? And oh, it's, it's just a nightmare. I don't need to be honest. I'm not buying Can't a hermetically sealed, sealed kind of humidor for my or non-humidor for my um, for my can of aluminium uh, just to keep this air safe. Like what I'd do is I'd get it home. I'd, I'd get it home and I'd instantly open it and go, oh, done that now. <laughs> Throw it in the bin. Right in the bin. <laughs> well, to be fair, it is a thousand yen. That's not exactly yeah, a great exactly. deal of money. Then again, it might be worth more. Imagine if you bought a can. And this is probably the only reason I'd actually consider buying it. Mm. But in 100 years, somebody might buy it for un- like ridiculous sums of money. 
That's the thing about mass market products. We all think that these things are going to be really, like, they're going to be worth a lot. People collect comics and magazines and CDs and records and stuff. But fundamentally, they're not, like, say you spend, I don't know, 50 quid on a nice, like, bit of vinyl or, you know, or a a great comic from, from back in the day. You'll wait 10 years and it'll be worth... 55 quid or 60 quid they never massively go up in value because everyone knows everything people are still talking about Nintendo NES carts um, I can't remember the one that's like the rarest I think it's some kind of like track and field game and like A you never find them B like they're usually in terrible states of disrepair and C like value your time more value the space in your house that you've got to keep and drag this bloody cartridge from house to house keep like just value yourself more. Like, make money elsewhere. Gamble. I don't care how you do it. Just don't put all your... There, there are people... There was a shamed um, TV presenter called Rolf Harris in the UK, mm. and oh, uh, God, people yeah. bought his... He was, like, no, known as being this kind of, like, uh, kind of eccentric, kind of Australian character. Um, he, he he went down for um, uh, uh, for, for statutory rape or, or, or certainly um, sexual molestation of a child, um, and people had bought um, paintings. So he's quite a gifted artist. And people bought paintings thinking that he would mm. be... that these would be worth a lot of money he was still rolf harris before he got arrested you know he was still this kind of talented yet um he's just a tv presenter you know what i mean like no one's going to be spending money on rolf harris pictures like 50 years from now um it's not a family heirloom oh i just get so angry Chris. i think it could be pete i think air i think vintage <laughs> air could be the new vintage wine and i right. know this because i'm going to start selling brexit air. air japanese <laughs> japanese people certainly would i remember when i the day I climbed Mount Fuji many mm. summers ago, uh, I just before I started the climb, you get to the fifth station, the base yeah. camp area, and uh, I went in a shop and they were selling cans of air from the peak of Mount Fuji. <laughs> and I know you're going to Mount Fuji in a few months, probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you get your act together. Mm. Uh, and so why not grab a can there and we can review it? In a video or a podcast. You can open it on the podcast and describe the scent of Mount Fuji air yeah. to us all. I reckon they probably add like an additive like mint or something to make it sound, taste and smell really fresh. But you sort of, you have these cans on the top of Mount Fuji. I'm sorry, who's got a can plant? How would they do this? Would they fill like a big vessel, take that vessel <laughs> down from the peak of Mount Fuji? I'm not buying it, Chris. No one, like, no one's testing that. No, like there is no body that would waste any of their time and resources to test the, you know, the air, the, the things that are in the air to make sure it's definitely from the peak of Mount Fuji. Do you reckon there's like a, like a 75 year old man who's been doing this his entire life, just going up Mount <laughs> Fuji every day with half a dozen cans <laughs> and bottling air, and then bringing it right back down again yeah, to sell off for exactly. 500 yen? They could be. That could be a great video. Like a great biography. <laughs> But there you go. Air. Buying air. air. Um, I, I don't know how I'd feel if someone invited me into their house and just revealed a room full of cans of air. But I think I'd be slightly <laughs> impressed. don't know. Yeah. What do you think, guys? What do you make of air? Would you buy air? Um, <laughs> what, let's get off the topic of air. And let's no, go never. to some... <laughs> go to the Brought in Japan fax machine. Hey. Uh, what have we got this week, Pete? Oh, we've got an email from uh, Michaela. 
or Michella, maybe. Uh, hi, Chris. I'm Michela or Michella from Italy. I'm going to go with Michela. Um, thanks for always cheering me up when I feel down. Oh, that's sad to hear. Don't be down, please. <laughs> There, that's sorted. Uh, I have a story from my time in Japan. It was December 31st when I had two strange encounters. I was with my classmates and we were wandering in uh, Hiroshima, uh, wondering what to do before going to the nearest temple to eat uh, taiyaki. We were sitting down in front of a konbini and two drunk Japanese guys approached us and gave us six cans of beer. We humbly received the beers and I gave them two uh, candies. Um, I stole them at the hotel we were staying at and they were super happy about that. At some point we heard the sound of a bottle smashed to the ground. It was a bottle of beer that some guys had dropped in front of us. I thought that I could give them our beer so I shyly approached them and gave them the cans. They looked surprised and asked why, uh, in poor English why I would do that. I, started, I finally started speaking Japanese to explain and when the shock was over the leader of the group of friends started making weird pauses and crying weird English sentences it reminded me of Natsuki um, and also the guy was a hairdresser just like Natsuki are all hairdressers dresses in Japan just like that <laughs> yes. uh, we were having a nice chat oh dear um, <laughs> I didn't read the rest of the email uh, we were having a nice chat when at some point I heard him whispering mura mura shimas which means <laughs> I'm horny uh, I was the only Italian girl who knew what that meant um, and when I told him I could understand what he said, he suddenly shy, uh, cried out, um, Shintai! I want to die. We all got drunk and went to the temple. It was a really pleasant way to begin the new year. So, starting the new year of, doesn't say what year it was, uh, uh, with a horny, drunk man who wants to die. <laughs> Quite a story. This is a, such a weird story. I, I, yeah, I don't even know where to begin with this story. Yeah, it's quite I mean, a nice, quite a nice setting though. I mean, my first New Year's Eve in Japan was quite similar. Mm. I met some guys at Seven Eleven, two Japanese guys. I was with a friend, and we exchanged like beers and had a chat, and off we went. And uh, it feels remarkably similar to that. Although I don't think the guys I was with were particularly horny um, or wanted to die. No. Uh, <laughs> well, they do but... say that sex is a little death, an orgasm. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know this actually. I didn't know "mura mura shimas" means I'm horny. Mura didn't know that phrase. I never mura felt mura. like I needed to learn it. In do you Japanese. need? The, do you really need the? Um, I mean, I mean, shimas is like to do, isn't it? Kind of thing. So like, yeah, yeah. Mura mura. Just say mura mura mura. <laughs> mura mura. Mura mura. <laughs> Vocabulary of the of the week. Um, mm. And shiny tie to die. I yep. want to die. That might be fun. That might be a useful one to you. To die. Uh, yeah, there you go. I, wow. <laughs> any, anything you'd like to add to the story? Any um, thoughts on this, Pete? I'm horny. Um, <laughs> does uh, leave some uh, enjoyable uh, English below uh, in her email. Uh, and there's these wonderful little cups with cats and I think doors, like a kind of cityscape. Um, some of the phrases yes. on the side. Um, Beloved town, uh, you want to stay long town. You want to stay <laughs> long town. You want to stay long town? What's that Love all it. about? Yes, God knows. I, uh, if, if I don't know where she found these cups, what a weird thing to have stamped on the side of a cup. <laughs> you want to stay long town? Do you think they just abst- accidentally uh, <laughs> wanted to say you want to stay long time? Or Possibly, is, uh, yeah, know. long time in the town. I don't know. It's... <laughs> I find if you question Japanese English, Japanese English, uh, uh, English, Japan English too much. It'll just drive you mad, because there is usually not much reason involved. Uh, We've got a question here 
from Patrick. Hey, Chris and Pete. My name's Patrick, and I'm from Florida, originally Orlando. I often listen to the podcast whilst making the drive between uh, a few cities or riding the bus and my bike to and from class. I was listening to the podcast this week, and I heard that Pete is considering climbing Mount Fuji out of season. My friends and I made that same decision about this time last year, and I'd say Pete should definitely go for it. It makes so much more it's it makes it so much more intense and gives better bragging rights for sure. For bonus points, climb it during a typhoon like we did. You'll probably get to the summit. Uh, just don't try to cross the ridges apex, lest you be blasted by sustained sixty-five mile per hour winds that get funneled in by the structures. Patrick, there you go, oh, Pete. Dear. Yeah. Well, if you if you are climbing in June when you come, then it would be out of season by one month, and you probably mm. would die. How did you should uh, definitely do it? How did Peter die? What a bragging rights! I always knew I'd go that way. <laughs> it I, is only I love a the image. The um, I love the image of you just like getting to the summit of Mount Fuji and falling to your knees like Platoon when the guy has his arms out outstretched and just taking a big sniff of Mount Fuji air from the can and then just like dying. It's better. It's That's better than the can. Image. This is so much better than the can. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, have you thought any more about clubbing Fuji? Yeah, I've got a little good little plan together. I mean, it's, it's only about a week out of season, um, so hopefully there, there mm. won't be quite as many people. It just means that the stations won't be um, as uh, they won't be open. Um, so yeah, I've got a little plan. Um, it might it might come to fruition, it might not, but I'm 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 planning on uh, definitely having a crack. It doesn't seem like it would take too long uh, if you choose your um, starting point. I, I've just always sort of think because I'm not any sort of climber, and obviously all of the climbers out there would be going, "Oh, you're disgusting, and you're going to mm. die." Um, it's a walking; you can walk up it, and every and and I sort of thought I, I always sort of think of um, mountains as they're not very well signposted, and obviously um, Mount Fuji and all of the different routes up are quite well kind of signposted in that they've got like stakes in the ground and kind of ribbons to to, to take it up and stuff. Um, uh, to, to to let you know exactly where you you need to be going. So as long as I, I can follow that, I reckon I'll be all right. I will be with friends. Are you going with someone? You're not going alone, are you? No, I'm going with um, a bloke who's in the navy who's probably probably done this sort of thing before. So I'll probably be all right. Just just got to get so those little uh, walking sticks. Those little uh, walking sticks. Oh, you need a walking They're stick, pretty yeah. cool. They're pretty cool. It's half the fun. <laughs> pretend you're Gandalf or something. Um, yeah, well, good luck. Well, yeah. right, but you're gonna film it, right? You can have my GoPro if you I'll, want. I'll stick, you I'll, stick I'll stick your GoPro on my head. <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, got one from Jose or Jose. Uh, hey, Chris and Pete, greetings from Puerto Rico. I'm a huge Yo. fan of the podcast. Usually listening to it on my way back home from college as a sort of relaxation therapy after an exhausting day. Uh, my question goes out to you, Chris. I'm a huge fan of your YouTube channel as well. So I wanted to ask, when looking for ideas to make new videos, what's the most important part to you? I know you've spoken about many things before, but when looking for the message you want to send, what do you think is the most important? Keep up the good work, Jose from Puerto Rico. Mm. I don't know. What do you think I look for, Pete? I'd answer my question for me. Uh, well, I think um, a good answer. I don't know. I think you probably think... Uh, I've, I've said on more, more than one occasion you think um, way too hard about it <laughs> definitely do <laughs> um, definitely but you're uh, but you're, you, you've got a pretty good nose for um, different places that uh, nobody else is doing and that's the main thing you, you, if you go on YouTube there are absolute chances um, just going around Tokyo walking around um, Shibuya crossing going 
look at this, um, look at this <laughs> carrot fucking, like, basically just, look at this bottle of Coalish, look at this vending machine, there's vending machines for everything nowadays, etc. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just that really. But, um, you know, you, you have, a, have like, a nose for it. I felt like a glimpse into a Pete in Japan yet again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, it, it literally yeah, me just going, be crossing with a look at this. Oh, I'm going to have a Starbucks and I'm going to just... It's basically like a normal Starbucks, but it's harder to order things. Um, I'll have a macchiato, please. And now I'll go into to, uh, HMV. They still have HMVs out here. Um, they sort of, they sort of sell cassettes. Um, and now into our price. Now into Tokyo Hands for a three-hour video about how much I love Tokyo Hands. <laughs> I want to see it happen. So it's basically that. It's basically that. It's basically that. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I always try and find something... Try and find something different, a little bit original if I can. Um, but most above all, I just want to try and tell a story. If it's something mm. weird, wacky, a person, a place, you know, you, you always want to try and tell a story. So I guess that's it, really. And above all, just have fun with it. If it's something you're not interested in, it's not going to work. You're not going to find the motivation to power on through and spend the long evenings hunched over your laptop uh, editing it or producing it in some way. So, yeah, just so it has to be something you're interested in, something original and something... Uh, with a story to it, a little bit of a narrative. Mm. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, we've got one from James here. Do you want to read that out, Pete? Oh, All right, then. James Harmer. Hello, James Harmer from Perth, Western Australia. Huge fan of the podcast. Thanks, mate. Oh, stop, James. Uh, is there any movement in Japan to ban smoking inside restaurants and bars, etc.? Uh, I found this is one of the only things I don't like about Japan. Does this bother you guys? Mm. Keep up the great work. Does it bother you? Chris, having a tab. Ah, it kind of does. Um, I did smoke for a bit. When I first came over here, I uh, I just finished univers- university and uh, I used to do social smoking, like all the cool kids, mm. you know, you go out for a drink and you smoke. But when I came over here, all my friends that I worked with, who I'd go out drinking with, would smoke and would sit in an izakaya and it was quite nice, you know, beer in one hand, cigarette in the other, eating, drinking, smoking your way through the evening. And then I stopped about two years ago, um, much to Natsuki's disappointment because he likes yeah. smoking together. Um, but I, I stopped and now I don't really like it because it isn't fun sitting there eating something, eating your fried chicken and having smoke waft over into your face. Um, so I'm not overly keen on it. Mm. Sometimes it's kind of cool. There is something romantic, I guess. Like, I guess it feels like you're in a film when you're sitting there at the bar watching an old guy drink his whiskey and smoke. Um, mm. There's something kind of cool about that. But then I guess there isn't and it's kind of annoying. And I, I know <clears throat> they're phasing it out or doing their best to get rid of it um, in the run-up to the Olympics. So right. I guess that's another good thing that's come from the Olympics in Japan. Less smoking indoors. Um, so that's that's always good. I don't mm. imagine you like it, Pete, do you? Um, yeah, all your clothes just absolutely pong after a night out or a, yeah, even just an evening out at a restaurant. It just absolutely stinks all of the time. Mm. So it's kind of di- I, I find that quite difficult. But on the other hand, just take you back to the 80s. <laughs> just take me back to the early <laughs> 90s. Okay, I, I remember smoking trains. Like you used to be able to smoke on planes. I, I'd never been yeah, on a plane yeah. at that point, but there were certainly um, carriages where there'd be a smoking carriage, and you walk through there, and it was like bloody hell. This mm. is just thick with smoke, and you just obviously don't see that anymore for obvious reasons. But uh, yeah, there is a little bit. There's a little tickle in my brain that goes, oh, "That smell does remind me of my youth." <laughs> I love I love every documentary about Japan from the nineties or before. It's mm. just, just usually. A series of shots of various people smoking in bars and drinking whiskey. <laughs> that basically oh, the, is what Japan's all about. 
there is some wonderful footage that somebody uh, located, which was basically... Uh, back in the day, there were um, certain emerging technologies, um, high-definition video for one. Um, back in, like, the late 80s, I think it was, early 90s, um, this this stuff was going on. And basically, someone went around uh, Japan with a brand-new HD, because we think of HD as being, you know, probably, like, 10 years ago at the mm. earliest. Um, the technology's existed forever, just obviously the delivery mechanism is, is the thing that always takes the longest to get to market. Um, and so th- this guy just went around with a really decent um, high-def camera uh, with high-def, I presume they'd be on DAT tapes or something, um, and filmed um, Tokyo. And it's so... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll link you the footage, yeah, Chris, but it's so interesting to see such high-definition footage of a bygone era of, you know, Akihabara and uh, and. and, and Shibuya and Tokyo and stuff like that. People with like really women with like Spice Girls heels on and like little mini skirts and stuff. And and um, but it's all in high def and 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 all of the screens. Obviously, like nowadays, the LCD, the blue LED, has taken over the world. And obviously, everywhere is just mm. saturated with um, LED screens and LCD screens. Um, but like the, it's weird sort of seeing the same sort of thing, but with loads of big thick cathode ray tube televisions. Um, back in the day, so it's it's a fascinating bit of footage. I'll send it over. When you say back in the day, what day are we talking? What what era? Uh, well, it's like nineteen ninety. Yeah, late eighties, early nineties, I think. I, actually, no. Oh, cool. You know what? I think it might even be earlier than that. It might even be early eighties, but I, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll I'll chuck it over though. Wonderful. Maybe we can tweet can it we out. find that on YouTube? Can anybody? Yeah, yeah, it's on that? YouTube. We'll tweet it out. Awesome. Um, yeah, sounds really cool. I'm. Um, mm. For now, though, guys, I think that's about it. Do I have anything else to add to that? No. Just if you, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't like smoking indoors, most Japanese places uh, have an option to sit in a smoking area or a non-smoking area, mm. and they do a good job separating them as well. So you know, just if you don't want to be in a, if you want to go inside a restaurant but you don't want to be in the smoking area, just make that clear yeah. to staff. It's usually the first question they ask when you walk through the door: smoking or non-smoking. Yeah, make sure you end up in the right one. Um, <laughs> but for now. That's it. Keep the stories, questions coming in to abroadinjapanpodcast at gmail.com. But for now, we'll be back same time next week, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world. Have yourself a great week, and we'll be back next Thursday.
show is part of the Radio Stakhanov Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 